Welcome to the Pursue Whole Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Maurer, and in this podcast, I share my insights as a leadership coach and former therapist. I sit down with some of the highest level leaders in business, entertainment, and human performance to help you pursue wholeness in your work, life, and relationships. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Pursue Whole Podcast. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion around compassion and candor. In the second episode of our three-part series, we're going to be digging into how compassion can shape your leadership for the better. Don't worry if you struggle to have compassion in your life with those you love and lead. I'm going to give you some really practical steps on how to level up in this area of your life, so stay tuned until the end. In part one of this series, we express that the whole leader is that leader who possesses both a high level of compassion and candor. Some of us are going to be more weighted on one side or the other. For instance, you may be really good at having really difficult conversations, but really struggle with empathy. And on the flip side, you might be fantastic at creating a safe place for people to enter in and share their struggles and fears, but you're going to feel a lot of anxiety around conflict, and you're probably going to avoid some of those difficult decisions and conversations that you need to have. But today, we're specifically talking to those leaders out there who struggle to enter in with compassion and empathy. This episode is going to be for you if you tend to focus a little bit more on strategy and a little bit more on getting things done, but you struggle to focus on relationships and people. This is going to be for you if you're really good at speaking truth and candor comes naturally to you, but it's a little rough around the edges. So maybe you've heard it from your spouse or your kids or your team members that you don't have empathy or you consistently try to fix the problem rather than listening. And if that's you, this is for you. So if any of these issues connect with you, this episode is going to be extremely helpful for you as you develop as a whole leader. First, let me reiterate what I mean when I say compassion. I define compassion as risking your own discomfort by choosing to enter into the pain of another person's experience with the simple outcome of connection. We're going to break down this definition into three separate stages, which work really well together perfectly to create this moment of compassion. And as we dig into this, I want to use a visual imagery of a house as we think through these three stages. The first stage is the porch. The second stage is the front door. And the third stage is inside the house. First, compassion starts with discomfort. We have to get on the porch. So over 2,000 years ago, the Greeks had this word for compassion, which they called splagnitsomai. The first part of this word, splagnaka, means internal organs. So splagnitsomai literally means to be moved at such a depth and degree that we literally feel it in the pit of our stomach. Compassion begins by noticing in your body a feeling actually of discomfort and distress. And that could be a churning in your stomach, a lump in your throat, a pressure in your head, or a tears welling up in your eyes. As leaders, we're so quick to push down and avoid these distressing feelings that we feel in our body. If we feel tears coming up, we instantly try to suck them back down and then we smile. If we begin to feel anxious or we feel that nervous energy in our chest, we try to use a ton of words to to alleviate that distress or fix the scenario. And instead of getting on the porch by noticing our body and getting comfortable with that discomfort, we actually stay on the sidewalk and we throw out these pithy statements to people who were coming in contact with. And we try to fix or we try to offer solutions from a distance. But this is not helpful for people sitting across from us. Um, And if our tendency is to avoid our bodies as leaders, 
the first step of compassion is to really learn how to tolerate that distress that naturally comes up in your body when you see someone in pain. Remember, compassion is that deep feeling, those internal organs, feeling that discomfort that that person feels sitting across from you. And this is a normal part of connection, and this is actually what it means to be human. So let me explain this and what this looks like from an interpersonal neurobiology standpoint. Human beings are built for connection, and we often acquire this through our ability to co-regulate with another. Now, co-regulation is a fancy word that basically means attunement or to be in sync with someone. We all know what it feels like to be out of sync. We've probably used that language before, to be out of sync with someone, uh, and we don't really feel understood, we don't feel seen, and we don't feel heard. This is a clear moment where we feel disconnected from the person sitting across from us. And we actually see co-regulation happen in the earliest signs of life. So when a baby cries, what it's doing is it's initiating that caregiver to come over to that baby and pick it up and soothe it. Or when a child smiles, the parent or the caregiver will smile back. This is because we have something called mirror neurons, and these are actually built in our brain to match the posture, facial features, and emotions of people sitting across from us or standing across from us. We literally take on or mirror their emotions and their pain. And this isn't a bad thing, this is actually a very good thing for compassion. So don't be taken off guard if you come in contact with someone and you feel their pain, you feel their discomfort, you feel their distress. That's actually a really natural human expression of these mirror neurons at work. So how do we do this? How do we get on the porch? Well, you have to move your body from a state of tightness and defensiveness to a state of openness and curiosity. As soon as you feel your body get tight, flat, or tense, you'll probably move into a defensive stance and try to fix the problem rather than be open and curious about what's happening inside of you or inside of that person sitting across from you. Uh, sometimes we have these stories in our heads. We have this language uh, that we've heard over and over again that just instantly cause our bodies to tighten up and go into defense mode. So one of your stories that you keep telling yourself might be, if I open up and feel, people are going to think I'm weak. And what that does is it causes you to tighten up and actually not share. Or we might simply feel angry at someone standing across from us because we have this story we've told ourselves that, man, everyone's out there to take from me. If I open up, I'm going to be taken advantage of. And what that does, instead of opening up your body to curiosity and compassion, it actually puts you in a defensive stance. So be watchful of those stories that you're telling yourself as you engage in relationship with others. Let's use a real world example for this. So you walk in the door after a long day at work and your spouse comes up to you and shares all the difficult things that happened at home, that happened in his or her life, and maybe the kids blew up throughout the day. More than likely, your body's going to go instantly into a state of rigidity or tightness. Your breathing's going to become shallow, and you might even take a couple of steps back to create some disconnect between you and your spouse. When we're caught off guard like this, like when you walk right in the home and you're met with that kind of engagement, we instantly move to a feeling of threat. And therefore, all that curiosity and compassion that we're meant to have turns into fight, flight, or freeze. We move into a defensive stance, which is not good for compassion and connection. And in fact, we might even bite back and say, you know, something short or rude, like, I don't care how your day was, or I don't want to talk to you or be around you right now. So here's what I would suggest in this moment. If, if this is you, and more than likely this is you because it's happened to me and it's happened to a lot of our listeners as I, as I talk to different leaders about this engagement between them and their spouse, when you walk through the door, the first thing I want you to notice is your body state. Is it loose and open, calm and grounded, 
or is it anxious and fast or tight and closed? This is your first step to moving into compassion. You cannot change what you do not know. Once you become aware of your body state, you then have the power to ask for what you need in order to be more grounded and create a really safe place in your body to enter into these more intimate, connected conversations. So this means practically reaching out your hand, touching your spouse on the shoulder, making eye contact, and all that's going to do is release oxytocin, which is this bonding chemical that promotes safety and security. And as you do that, you might want to say something like, hey, can you give me one second so I can come down and be in a better place where I can actually hear you? Once you say that, go into a separate room, whether it's for 60 seconds, whether it's for five minutes, take a couple deep breaths and just let that body come down to a place of openness and calm. Notice it shift from that tight defensive stance to openness and calmness. And once you feel like you've regulated your body, go back to your spouse and say, hey, okay, what is it that you were wanting to share with me when I, when I first got home? Boom. Your body is set up for compassion because it's able to tolerate all that kind of distress and discomfort that your body is feeling as you engage with your spouse. So You can do this in board meetings. You can do this in any relationship by simply saying, hey, can you give me a second so I can collect my thoughts? And in that moment, close your eyes, take a couple breaths, and find that sense of peace and calm in your body. Once again, compassion begins by risking your own discomfort, and therefore you have to put your body in a state where it can tolerate the discomfort of another person's experience rather than instantly becoming defensive. Now listen, if you can't do this first step, if you can't get on the porch, you cannot move to the next two stages. Hear me in that. If you don't know how to calm your body down and come to a state of calm and openness rather than defensiveness, you can't move on to the other stages of compassion. If this first stage is hard for you, you might want to camp out for the next two to three weeks in this stage and just practice. What's my body telling me? What am I noticing? How do I take a break and get some time away to help breathe and calm my body down so that I can come back with more calm and openness? Sometimes with me and my spouse, if I'm feeling agitated and frustrated, uh, I did this this week and it was really helpful. I, I closed my eyes. I took a deep breath. And on that inhale, I tried to visualize kind of this calm and peace coming into my body. And when I took that deep exhale, I imagined that defensive and that tight part kind of exiting and leaving my body. And that was just some helpful visual imagery for me to really notice my body kind of receiving this kind of peace and calm and openness and then letting go of that that defensiveness. And sometimes that's all it takes to get back on cue and back on track to having some of these more compassionate, um, empathetic conversations. After you're willing to risk your own discomfort by connecting with your body, then you can move to the second stage. And the second stage is really about entering into the pain of another person's experience. So once you tolerate the discomfort that naturally comes up in relationship, when you get close to pain, then it's about entering into that pain of another person's experience. So we've gotten really good at hanging out on the porch, and now we need to open that door. We need to enter into that pain. Now, when you open that door, you don't know what's going to come out, okay? And this is what's really difficult for people, and I think this is why people don't want to open that door because they don't know what their spouse or what their employee or even what they themselves is going to kind of come out as they open that Pandora's box. You don't know how much pain is going to come out. And that's why it's important for your body to be in a state of regulation or a state of calm before you open that door. Okay. So as that door is open, 
This is when someone begins to share their thoughts, feelings, and experiences that they've had that have been causing them that pain. So they begin to share that story. They might want to tell you about a difficult day at work or a frustrating interaction with kids or maybe even the loss of a family member. And hear me, when they open that door and they begin to talk, refrain every instinct inside of you that wants to tell that person what they should do to fix it. Restrain that instinct because I know it's inside of you, especially for those of you who are good at candor. This is going to be like pulling teeth. Refrain from that instinct inside of you to move and to act. Compassion is not about fixing. It's not your job to fix their problem or their pain. It is simply to be present in the moment with unconditional love and acceptance. That is your job. Real practically, here are a couple things that you can do in this stage. Number one, turn your body towards the person. And if that feels too intimidating, then turn it slightly to the side. um, And maybe you want to lean in a little bit and tilt your body forward. And this is going to show them that you actually care. You're interested about what they have to say. The second thing you can do is try your best to make eye contact and really minimize those distractions. Give them your full attention. Don't be on your phone. Don't be watching a movie. Don't be in a place where kind of kids are running around. Try to create a moment where you can make eye contact, close the door, minimize those distractions around you. And you can even say, hey, can you give me a second? I want to close my journal. I want to close my folder. I want to put my phone away before I kind of engage with you in this conversation. The third thing you can do is use nonverbal cues like shaking your head up and down in agreement. Or if someone says something difficult, you might want to shake your head side to side to represent, oh man, that's really hard. Matching facial expressions on their face is actually really, really helpful. And don't do this like a parrot. Don't do this because you know it's the right thing to do. Do this because you're attuned to the person and you're connected. If they smile, go ahead and smile. If they frown, frown. And you also want to use verbal cues that let them know that you're continuing to listen. So things like, hmm, wow, uh, uh-huh. All of those little things throughout the conversation are going to allow them to feel like you are listening and that you're, you are there with them. Number four, say things like, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Or I feel honored that I am a safe enough person for you to open up to me like that. Or, wow, that sounds really, really difficult. What you're doing, these are just empathetic statements that you're being able to put out there to let them know you see them, you know them, and you can feel that with them. Number five, let there be silence. (laughs) We break silence because we feel this awkward moment when nothing's happening, especially for those people who are so used to kind of moving things along and getting things done. When there's silence for two seconds, you're like, oh my gosh, there's nothing happening. What do I do? But just listen, silence is the most comforting thing when someone is expressing their pain. And the general rule of thumb is let the other person break the silence. You don't have to break the silence. Let the other person break that for you, and they're going to let you know when they're ready to move on, okay? So just wait for it and provide silence. Number six, reflect back what you heard. And you can do this by saying things like, hey, one thing that really stood out to me about what you said was, or you can say, hey, it sounds like dot, dot, dot. Or you can say, that must have been so hard when dot, dot, dot. Or, I can't imagine what that must have felt like when you experienced X, Y, or Z. Number seven, 
don't offer to help if you know you're not in a position to do that. I think some of us, especially as leaders, we feel this compelled nature to want to step in and help. If you know you can't, if your schedule's too busy, if you can't follow through with this person, don't commit to action if you can't follow through on it. So instead, ask them, do you have someone who's able to support you through this? You might even want to say, hey, if it's helpful, I'm happy to connect you with someone who might help you. But don't say, hey, I'm here for you. How can I be here for you if you're not willing to enter in with them? Now, number eight, if you want to enter into that deeper relationship with the person and you want to walk through that with them, instead of saying, what can I do for you? Say, how can I be in this with you? It's a, it's a subtle shift that represents not, I want to drop something off and then be done. It's really saying, how can I journey in this process with you? So instead say, how can I be in this with you? And if they say, I don't know. Well, that's your opportunity to throw out a couple suggestions about what maybe helped you through a difficult time in your life. You can say, hey, would it be helpful if we made a meal for you or shipped a meal over for you or had someone come and clean your house or had someone do X, Y, and Z for you? Whatever has helped you in the past, throw out some suggestions and say, would this be helpful? So those are some steps about how you can be present when someone opens up that door and really show them this this high level of compassion. Now, here's the important thing. When you open that door, some people will want to pull you through that door and completely flood you with everything going on inside of themselves. We all know this person, you sit down and they don't stop talking and they overwhelm you and you thought, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was getting in for this. This is why this stage is about letting that door open and not actually going into the house, okay? There's a healthy boundary here. That's why I phrase it as let the door open. You're not in the house yet. As you hear the emotions, experiences and thoughts of another person, you need to gauge whether you can or want to go deeper with that person. Do I really want to step in the house? Do I want to go deeper with them? Do I have the time to do that? And let me use this analogy here. When I go to the ocean, I tell my boys, I say, be really careful out in the water. Um, You can go play in that, but just know that the further out you go, those waves get really strong and they can pull you in and they don't have the proper skill or proper expertise to know how to swim against those waves and kind of get back on the shore. And you need to know as leaders how deep into those waters you can venture before you start losing your grounding or being feeling like you're losing yourself in those waves of another person's chaos. Know when you're about to lose yourself into their chaos and come back up on the shore. If you feel like you're getting sucked too deep into the water, you need to get back on the shore and ground yourself right away. This could be simply saying, hey, can you give me a second to collect my thoughts? Okay, we talked about that before. Close your eyes, take some breaths. Or you might have to close down the conversation in a very gentle way. Sometimes you just need to close that down and there are gentle ways to do this. And the way that I do this is I say, man, that's really difficult um, what you're going through. Thank you for sharing that with me. I hope that you can get the support that you need. But hey, I'm going to need to transfer and uh, transition right now into something else. But thank you once again for sharing that for me. You're showing empathy, but you're letting them know. You're not having open-ended questions here, okay? (laughs) That's the important thing here. You're having closed statements and you're communicating, I need to transition here um, once we're done, but thank you for sharing that with me. It's a gentle way to do this. And at this stage of compassion, it's important to practice your listening skills, but you also need to know when you need to close that door and you feel like you need something different in relationship. 
that's okay. And you can always come back to the conversation at a later time. Sometimes we have 60 minutes. Sometimes we literally have a minute and someone's opening up, you know, this door for us and we don't have the time. And it's okay to say, hey, right now is not the time. Maybe we could come back to this at a later time. It doesn't mean you're insensitive. It just means that you have needs and you um, have boundaries in relationship. This should not feel like a venting session, okay? If you're in relationship with someone and it feels like a venting session, that's not healthy because it's really not about connection. Remember, conversations and compassion is about connection. Venting is about being someone's pincushion or being used as someone's pincushion to let all their anger or frustration or fumes kind of come out on you. And you're going to walk away feeling used. You're not going to walk away feeling connected to that person. So that's a good sign whether this is a venting session or whether this is about really compassion. Do you walk away feeling connected or do you walk away feeling like you were someone's pincushion to just blast you with everything that's on the inside? And that's not healthy. Lastly, Compassion ends with connection. It should end with a feeling of being known and seen. Remember, compassion is not about fixing the problem. It is about feeling connected with the person sitting across from you. Your goal should be to end that conversation feeling connected and known. Really, this last stage is an opportunity to develop a deeper and closer friendship with someone. As they open that door and they feel heard, this creates an opportunity to come into that house and get to know them at a deeper level and cultivate some of these feelings of safety. So just because someone opens up that door with you, remember, doesn't mean that you have to enter into their house. That's your boundary. You get to choose how deep you want to go with this person and how connected you want to get with them. Now, I know that was a lot of information and you will probably have to listen to this episode a couple times, but let me define compassion one last time as a refresher. Compassion is risking your own discomfort by choosing to enter in the the pain of another person's experience with a simple outcome of connection. If you struggle with compassion, remember to practice these three stages we talked about. Number one, get on the porch and notice when your body begins to feel discomfort. Take some time away, regulate it, get it calm, come back in a non-defensive stance. Number two, When someone opens that door, refrain from fixing and solving. Instead, get really comfortable with silence. Use empathetic statements and ask good questions. And number three, remember that compassion is about connection. Ask yourself, do I feel connected with this person after this conversation? And if you don't, ask yourself, where was the breakdown? Was it Were they venting? Was I in the wrong spot? It should feel like you feel more connected to this person afterwards, not more disconnected. If you can practice these three steps, you'll grow and develop as a compassionate leader, but we cannot stop here. To be that whole leader, we also need to develop our ability to have candor and face those hard conversations with those people in our lives. And that is what we will talk about next time in our last episode of this three-part series. So if you struggle with candor, you're going to want to stay tuned for our next episode, which will teach you how to lead with courage, candor, and confidence. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, links, and show notes, visit pursuewhole.com and click podcast. Before we go, it would be extremely helpful if you would please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you find this podcast. This helps me understand my audience better and serve more leaders such as yourself. That's it for me this week. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or other social platforms, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Pursue Whole podcast. Pursue Whole.